Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Hi, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Serve Neat. Let's just get into it. So question number one for the group, what is your best media pitching secret? Caroline, you can go first. Okay, great. I think one of the things that we have learned over time is as much as everybody wants to be in Forbes, as much as they want to start with those really huge publications, it is so vitally important to start where your company actually is or where you live. Even if you have a national company or an e-commerce company that is available across the US or even worldwide, starting in your own community is such a vital part of building a base to any sort of PR strategy. If people don't know who you are in your own city, why are they going to care about you across the country or in a different country. So just really focusing on building from smaller publications into larger publications will actually help to move along your PR strategy a lot quicker in the long run because you do have that foundation built out. And I think a lot of people skip that to begin with. So I would say start local and then go national no matter what you're doing. Oh, that's a good one. Can you touch on the difference in what you're pitching on a local level versus a national level? Absolutely. So typically it's a little bit different. If you're pitching for local, a lot of the times you're going to want to focus on those community ties, or you're going to want to focus on the actual story of the company, how it came to be and what's important to it. What's your mission? When you start getting to those larger nationals, you kind of have to find connections for your company to the stories that people are already talking about, the things that are already in the news. Unfortunately, as much as we want somebody to write 20 minute feature online about your company, it's not going to happen. You have to find ways that are going to tie it into what people are already reading about and what they're interested in. And to kind of tie into that as well, if you're pitching nationally, you also should be pitching anywhere from three to six months ahead of time. So if you really want to be in a national publication at Christmas time, you shouldn't start any later than July to try to start reaching out to those journalists. That's totally different for local. Local, you can pitch a lot sooner to an event. So if you wanted to be in something for Christmas in a local, you might start pitching two to four months ahead of time rather than so far out. So just something else to keep in mind. They do have different editorial schedules and you really need those big publications are really pitching far, far out. So if you're wanting a placement, keep that in mind. Yeah, that was a great tip. I like that you touched on the difference in how on a local level, you will likely get a full line feature. But if you're pitching to Forbes, CNN, Fox, you are likely going to just be used as an expert source and you're going to give quotes here or there. It's not impossible to get a full line feature in a top tier (laughs) publication. It can happen, but the likelihood of it happening if you're a small business is very, 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 very slim. So I like that you touched on the difference between the two. I'm going to pick on Emily next. Emily, what is your best media pitching secret? My secret is that every single person can apply to every single kind of pitch. You just have to find the angle. This is something that Jen kind of taught us and guided us joining the team and everything, but it really is true that if you think of a trending topic, whatever's happening in the news, there is always a way to tie it to your client and spin a story to talk about your client with that trending topic. And the cool thing about trending 
trending topics is the fact that they get picked up so fast and you can see a win in 48 hours. So trending topics, it is so important to have a team that is constantly doing media research, seeing what's happening out in the world and tying you into those maybe in ways that you never would have thought about. But those features, a lot of the times an editor is going to be given a week to write a story. And if you can get your pitch submitted within that time frame, you're going to look at a really big publication with a really good feature very quickly. That was a good one. Okay. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper here as I do. Can you give us an example of a topic that is timely right now? Maybe I'll just give you an example. So let's pretend we live up here, everybody. Give me like two to three different industries and a story that ties into a winter snowstorm. Actually, I do have some additional thoughts on what Emily said, and that's leaning into my secret a little bit is it is so important to take advantage of those trending topics. And that seems like such a no brainer being in PR. Of course, you're going to take advantage of those trending topics, but it's so much more than that. You have to keep up with what is going on in the news right now. And I would say with my emergency management client, Andrea, if there is a winter storm going on, let's just say a winter storm is planning to hit in Texas in the next week. And you see an increase in those articles being published about how to prepare for the next winter snowstorm. I would pitch my client, Andrea, the emergency management expert on how you can prepare for that winter snowstorm that's coming up and what you need to do around the house, what you need to include in your emergency plan, things like that. What I do is I introduce whatever the trending topic is. I provide a little bit of commentary in my pitch. I have include a brief description about my client and then I include three different story ideas. So for this one, I would probably include 10 items you need in your emergency kit to prepare for a winter snowstorm. So that's kind of the angle that I like to do. But yes, this is something that I build into my PR strategies for all of my clients. It's something I actually really started to learn as I started working here at Neat. And you just have to to be proactive with this. If you see something in the news, you have to take advantage of it right that second. And sometimes depending on the story, there's a little bit of leeway of maybe the story is going for a couple more days, but some of them are as quick as 24 hours and that's it. So you really have to craft your pitch almost immediately, send it to the client, and hopefully your client will provide their feedback as soon as possible and then get it out as soon as possible. I have done this with a number of my clients. I've done this with a travel client. I've done this with my emergency management client and I've really seen success. We've been featured in publications like USA Today, Forbes, and the Washington Post. And like Emily said, it is a great way to get featured in those bigger publications and get your foot in the door. Can I just say too, just jumping off of that because you don't have an emergency services client. Let's say I have a ready to drink martini client. How do I tie that to a winter storm hitting Texas. Okay, well, everybody's writing articles about you have to go get your milk and your bread and your salt and all of that good stuff. Let's write a pitch about five cozy ready to drink cocktails you can hunker down with during the Texas snowstorm. There's always going to be a way to tie it in, even if it doesn't feel like it's directly correlating. But if you don't have a business that feels like it's directly correlated to whatever's happening in the media, there is always going to be a way that you can take what's happening and turn it into a story. 100%. You just have to get a 
little bit creative with it and think outside of the box. Okay, I'm going to pick on Sammy last. Sammy, give us your best media pitching secret. I feel like that's the quietest I've been because I was on mute. I usually, I love to jump in, but they had it handled on that one. I think that mine's a little bit different. I come from a cold calling experience background. And so I am huge on communication. So I'm going to be that girl that's in your DMs. Whether I pitch you on Quoted or Haro or I send it just straight to your email, I'm going to follow up on a LinkedIn message or even sometimes Instagram and just say, hey, I sent you a pitch, would love to connect. If you have any feedback, here's my email. And so I have gotten a lot of wins when it comes to that way. I think it's just kind of that extra step that takes to reporters or whomever you're pitching to that you care about them seeing your email. These reporters get hundreds of emails a day. And so if I can make myself look any different in any way, I'm going to jump on it. I like that one. When you're sending a pitch, do you commend? sending the email first or going right to LinkedIn, but I think you kind of covered that one. Yeah. I think I like to send the email first and then follow up with a message saying, I just sent an email to your inbox. And then sometimes I'll even tie into if I see something interesting on their LinkedIn profile, or if I find a recent article that I find interesting, I'll throw that in there and say like, I just saw your article on XYZ. And I think my client would be a great fit for your next one. Emily. Journalists. (laughs) love when you can make them feel good. That is something that I have really noticed. So like, if you can be like, Hey, I read your article about this on this. And I love the way you talked about X, Y, and Z boost their ego. They feel so good about it. And then they're like, this person likes the way I write. They're complimentative. You would be surprised in podcast pitches and media pitches, how much just showing that you've done your research can put you ahead of other publicists pitching to the same person. And that's something with like LinkedIn that I love to do and same with Sammy like messaging them directly and kind of just showing them that you are a person and not just a automated email that's going to them we personalize every single one of our pitches so being able to personalize the pitch to include their work and show that we are not just randomly finding this journalist to include on our media list we are specifically reaching out for a reason so important yeah that was a good tip okay I'm going to move on to my next question here here. What has been your all-time favorite client win and why? Who wants to go first? When you're talking to a team who has gotten so many wins this year, how do you pick just one? I think that's really hard, honestly, because you can go in so many different directions. I think every single person sitting in this meeting has gotten featured on Forbes, which is always exciting, or gotten our clients featured on Forbes. And so that's a huge win in itself, just as an agency altogether. I think this year, something that happened a little recently was different in the sense when it comes to pitching. We pitched an idea for a story and it got picked up by Good Housekeeping, but in a way that they actually invited her in person to speak to their team. It doesn't happen often. And so not only was that a cool experience for us as an agency to get to learn from that, but also having a client get to fly out to one of her dream publications that she has been reading for years and get to speak to the people behind that publication was such a life moment for her. And so I think that's one of the wins that I was really proud of. It might have not gotten her in a publication at that point, but one, she was a new author at that time. And so it kind of boosted her ego in that sense that they cared enough to bring her out to speak to very important reporters. And so that was a really cool win, I think this year. Different, but definitely still cool. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that one was really, really neat. I mean, Juliana, do you want to speak about your experience there? Because it was really chaotic. So tell us the story of what happened when you got there. Give us the tea. Oh, 
my goodness. When I tell you, I think of this trip as one of the highlights of my career today. And Sammy and I worked so hard to get this secured. And just to see it come to fruition was so, so rewarding. So we arrived in New York and I was so excited for this opportunity. We took an Uber to Hearst headquarters, which I had never been to. I mean, obviously I've seen pictures. I've seen it in movies, but I never thought that me and my client would be entering Hearst headquarters and getting to see such a notable publication. And it was just so, so cool. So we arrive in the room that we were getting the presentation in. I was nervous. Andrea was not. And I wasn't nervous for Andrea. I was nervous for myself. And I knew Andrea was going to freaking kill it. But so we were getting all set up. It was a baking presentation. So she wrote a book called I Only Remember Grievances and Desserts, What I've Learned from the Cretans, Douchebags, and Vipers So Far. And it is about toxic workplaces. It's a self-help development cookbook. So it's a bit of an interesting niche. So she told a couple of stories from her book while baking one of the recipes from her book as well. And it was just such a rewarding experience to see her up there just doing her thing. I mean, it was so amazing. We had a couple of journalists afterwards ask questions. Even after everyone left, we had people come back and ask questions. So that was just so cool to see her connect with those journalists like that. And it's something that you can't get via email. She was able to establish that one-on-one connection, this personal connection with these journalists. And like Sammy said, yes, it didn't get an article right now, but who knows what's going to happen six months from now. And because she established that personal connection, she's that much more memorable in those journalists' minds. And then afterwards, we got a tour of the Good Housekeeping Institute, which was so, so cool. We got to see all of their testing labs and they have so many cool machines that they use to test different products. I think one of my favorites was this little robotic arm that tested different vacuums. It was just so cool. We've gotten so many great wins for her. Funny enough, my favorite win was recently we secured a win in Forbes about the different risks and threats that business leaders should look out for in 2024. And the reason I loved this so much is because I love industry trend articles. I think that is such a great way to establish yourself as a thought leader in your industry. And for that to be featured in Forbes, this highly coveted publication, it was just so rewarding to see her featured along these other thought leaders in the industry. So I think that one was another one of my favorites for sure. I love that. Thanks for touching on that. I want to dive a little bit deeper here just for a second, and then we'll carry on with other fun client wins. But can you speak about maybe you and Sammy? um, Can you guys speak about Forbes specifically? Because they do work a little different than other outlets do. Yeah, something that we've noticed with Forbes, at least the ones that we have pitched to Juliana and I have worked as a team on a lot of these. And we actually had to have the client directly send the pitch to them. We can't reach out on behalf of them as an agency. So that's something that's a little bit different on my end. It's a not harder in that sense, but you have to have that communication with your client just to say, hey, you need to send this to them and they need to be on top of it as well. Communication is huge. We talk about it all the time here within our team that we need at least 24 hours. You need to be checking your Slack channel once to make sure that we're not trying to reach you, especially when it comes to Forbes and trending topics. If you miss that period and they don't send it, they're going to move on to someone else. That's what I've noticed that's been a little bit different with Forbes. Jay, do you have anything else or M? Emily, do you have any thoughts you wanted to share? Yeah. So I actually connected with a Forbes journalist, a couple different in the health and wellness 
space. And something that I learned with them was a lot of the times they don't get to pitch their story ideas. So reaching out to them for a specific story idea, a lot of the times you might not see the traction from that. A lot of the times with the Forbes reporters, they're actually given assignments and they then have to find an expert to fill in that assignment. So rather than pitch to Forbes journalists a specific story idea, you're going to try to see, oh, they're a health and wellness reporter. Let me pitch my dietitian client to them and see if they have anything upcoming that they could use her for. So that's something that I thought was really interesting because a lot of the times with the Forbes pitches, we always call them the timely pitches because they are given a specific assignment and they have a deadline that they have to write with. One of the connections that I established at Forbes, she's a journalist. She actually wrote a piece back in October about not drinking. And she was in October pitching to her editor to allow her to do a dry January piece. And she still hasn't gotten the okay to write that piece yet. But she's like, I'm antsy for it. Like, I want to write this piece. I want to use this expert. Like I want to do this angle. And it's so interesting because you would think that if they are passionate about writing a piece, they have the experts lined up. They have all this information that they could write it. But at the end of the day, you can pitch to all of the journalists you want, but it has to be approved by the editor of that publication. So that was something really interesting with Forbes is that sometimes the story idea pitches are not going to be received well from them. It's better to find what they're currently working on or their niche and do a general pitch of your client and then just kind of touch base every once in a while and see where they can fit in. Yeah, that was great. Thanks guys. Okay, Emily, I'm coming back to you. Can you share your favorite client win of 2023? I have so many just because like every win, I always tell my clients this, like when we are excited about a win for our clients, it is not a fake excitement. Like we are so over the moon (laughs) for their wins because they're not only their wins, they're kind of our win as an agency to see our agency get featured in Bustle and in Forbes and all of this stuff. It's like such a great achievement as an agency. So when we are celebrating a win with you, like we are so excited. And I have one client this year. She has almost reached 4 billion people. She's sitting at like 380 billion in reach right now, which I would just say is like what I'm most proud of is just how many opportunities we've been able to pitch her for. But my favorite that she has gotten was actually a outreach we sent out for gynecological cancer awareness month. Yes, we were writing a pitch for that. And it was very interesting because we kind of shifted our technique and our strategy with this outreach and it got picked up and we got seven features from that one outreach. And that is something I'm so proud of because very rarely do you receive multiple big name features from one outreach. I would say as an agency, we send about two to three pitches per month per client. And the fact that we had one pitch secure seven features was absolutely crazy. She got featured in Fox. She got featured in the New York Post. She got featured on so many different massive publications that really just boosted her reach, her exposure, and her following on Instagram flew through the roof that month. It was so insane, but it was just 
one of those cool things that we got reached out to by a reporter and she was like, I don't have a fit for this exact outreach, but I want her to be an expert on my Ask a Doctor series. And then a week later, she was like, can I actually do a separate feature just about her? And so we got that feature on Fox News. And then something was cross-posted to New York Post. And then it was cross-posted to another thing. And it was just so cool to see that we just pitched our client and the journalist kind of took it in different ways and used the information we gave them. But it was so fun to send a Slack message every single day that was like, hey, here's another win. You reached this many people. Such a fun time. Yeah, that's a good one. I love when articles end up getting syndicated. It's always so cool. So I love that you touched on that. Caroline, last but not least, tell us your favorite client win. Well, I have been really lucky to work with some amazing clients. And I think that my biggest win though would be, I would say two weeks into a new contract with our ready to drink martini brand, Jaded AF, I got a call from Food and Beverage Magazine out of Las Vegas, who I had reached out to. And they were interested in having her submit her martinis as part of the proof awards in Vegas that happen every year. And these awards weren't happening till November. At this point, our client Alexa was like two weeks into her contract. This was a big monetary ask because it wasn't a free competition to enter by any means. But we knew that the exposure would be worth it because they had judges coming in from businesses all over the world. They had Delta Airlines there for the Sky Lounge. They had a Vanderpump Garden cocktail. They had anywhere and everywhere that serving cocktails where they're trying to bring in the latest and greatest whatever's new on the market. They were going to have people there and those were the judges. So Alexa is a doll and trusted me wholeheartedly in this and kind of put herself out there. And months and months have passed since this happened. And November just happened and the awards just happened. And actually we just found out that they won gold in the double blind competition for their lemon drop martini. They won bronze in the blind competition for their lavender and cucumber. And they scored gold in the total package design competition for all three of the cocktails. So this thing that we have been waiting for for months and months and months finally happened. And it was honestly the best case scenario. But to see the kind of transformation they have made from March earlier this year till now is absolutely insane. I mean, she launched her product. She did not even have anything in the market. And now she's being sold nationally and she's winning competitions and she's going to be on a, an Amazon Prime television show next year. There are so many things that this one thing kind of got the ball rolling for. And that's why I'm really, really excited for this win. Okay, wait, what? I didn't know <laughs> she was going to be on an Amazon show. Yeah, she's been working. There's this chef, Chef Jonathan. He's Canadian and he has been on previous shows on like the Food Network and such, but he has his own show coming to Amazon Prime and it's called At Home with Chef Jonathan. And so he actually reached out to her on Instagram and told her that he had seen what she was doing and really liked it and they wanted to feature her product on his show next year. So that'll be happening next summer sometime. Oh my gosh. Yeah, their account has been really fun to be a part of because they did come to us a couple months before their launch party. Our team got to attend their launch party. So we got to watch them grow locally after that and internationally. And they signed a contract for two more years with us. So it's going to be really, really fun to just watch how the brand expands over the next couple of years. And I'm so excited that we get to play a small role in their success. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but everybody go to jadedaf.com and buy their amazing martinis because they're awesome and they're available nationwide. Shameless plug. I love it. Okay, let's move on to the last question here. What PR trends are you predicting for 2024? I think we learned a lot this year on 
timeline and when to send our pitches. Me personally, I mean, we were sending pitches in advance, but it wasn't six months in advance. At this point, we should be sending pitches for Easter and we haven't hit Christmas. And I think that's something that we all kind of gravitated towards this year is the realization of we have these great ideas. And if they were sent in the right time, they probably would have been picked up a lot more than what they did. I know me personally, and I've read a few from the team have had amazing pitches that got no traction at all. And I think it's solely due to timeline. So I think a trend in that sense would be just really being aware of what you're pitching and when you're pitching it. I know it's something that I'm going to take into 2024, but that was a big one for me this year. Kind of bouncing off of what Sammy said, one component that I have noticed this year that I feel like is going to be a trend in 2024 is I really feel like we know that journalists get thousands upon thousands of emails a day. And I really feel like in 2024, we're going to see less of our pre-planned pitches, if that is the right word, and more so pitching what the journalist is working on in that exact moment. And by that, I mean, a lot of times, like Emily said earlier, journalists will have certain stories that they are working on and they don't really get to pitch their own ideas. They're just given an assignment and they have to go find an expert and they work on that story. And so I really feel like we're going to see less and less of those pre-planned pitches and more so working on the general pitch of the client or seeing what's on Quoted or Harrow and adjust our pitches based on that. Sorry, y'all. I was thinking about what Emily was saying. That has been a thing for quite some time for e-commerce brands. Like anytime there's a listicle, it's usually because of the commission that journalists are making. And I know a big thing is like a lot of them have their Amazon affiliate accounts. So if you don't sell on Amazon, then it's a little bit more difficult to get into those listicles. Or if you don't have an affiliate program already set up, it's going to be a little bit harder. So I would say like that's been a thing though for like a couple of years now, like really, really big for listicles. Anyone who does e-com is big. But one thing I want to say, and this is going to be kind of a hot take for any D2C brand that's listening or any influencer that's listening. I think we're going to see a pretty big shift in influencer marketing in 2024. I'm already seeing a shift in it, but I love influencer marketing. I also love our influencer clients, but the rates are just getting higher and higher and higher. And there are so many influencers out there to pick from. So if a brand can't afford your rates, they're going to turn around and go to somebody else. I think rates are going to be really interesting. I think we're going to be a shift in what people are charging in 2024. I think we're going to see influencers who kind of aren't as influential either, right? Because influencers grow up and their audience shifts and it changes. And I think if influencers can't figure out a way to grow with their audience over time, I think we're going to see a lot of falling out of once really influential people. I also think that there's going to be a shift in a lot of influencers who either become really business savvy and treat their influencing like a business and then create their own product, something that they can sell one day. Or you're going to see influencers who don't make it because they haven't been treating influencing like a business and their income is solely dependent on what brand deals are coming in the door. And that's not really a way to grow a business. Last but not least, when it comes to influencer marketing, I think we're going to see a lot of brands hire in-house content creators versus paying other people for their content because that's really expensive and they don't have as much control over that process. So if a brand is working with influencers for the sake of content, I think we're going to see them bring it in-house. If they're working for influencers for reach, I think they're still going to outsource that. So that's my hot take on influencer marketing for 2024. I would say wholeheartedly that I completely agree with you. And it's something that I've seen both in my personal life and in pitching clients for deals and stuff. It's that right now, affiliate marketing is going so much more than influencer marketing. I think that's something we're really going to see in 2024 is how many brands are 
solely focused on affiliate marketing because they can pay lower fees because influencers are making commission off of their sales and the success of their sales. So have a platform of, let's say like 200,000, 400,000. But if your engagement is lower, a smaller macro influencer with higher engagement, higher clicks, everything like that, they're going to be more successful as an affiliate partner than a large platform. Because at the end of the day, what a brand wants is more sales and more people visiting their website. So I really do think that brands are realizing that influencer marketing, because it's so saturated right now, it is going to really shift in 2024. They're not going to spend their budgets as much because those smaller influencers right now are almost a bit more influential than the bigger ones. Yeah, that's a good one. I think we're going to see like the rise of the nano influencer for sure. Their audience is just a bit more niche. And when you have a smaller audience and you're working on building your community, people just trust you a little bit more. I know I typically trust someone who has five or 10,000 followers when I communicate with them daily and they make an effort to build a relationship with me. I'm going to trust them over Kim Kardashian. It's hard to with those bigger influencers to look at their posts and not wonder, are they just doing this for the money or do they do this because they like actually love the product? Like you said, the bigger influencers, it's hard to tell nowadays just because literally every single one of their posts is an affiliate versus the smaller ones are more trustworthy. You know that they use it, but yeah. I think a trend we're going to see in 2024 a lot more of is way more interest and more weight in podcasts. I think that this is a shift that's been happening over the last year or so, but all of those big name influencers you can think of right now are creating podcasts and they're having insane guests on their podcast. And I think that it is such an opportunity to be on a podcast because podcasts are trackable. You can look at the downloads of that podcast episode, know how many people you've reached. You can create a trackable link if you are selling a product. There's so many more opportunities for data analysis and return on investment with a podcast that I could see a really big rise in wanting to do podcasts, Instagram lives, things like that over a media feature. Yeah, I agree with you. And I will say one of the reasons why I really like podcasts and I see the potential there for that to turn into a trend is because in what other way are people sitting there and listening to somebody talk for 30 minutes or an hour? Like that is not a thing that is happening, right? TikTok, we scroll really fast. Instagram, we scroll fast. When we get a media feature, you're like looking, you're scrolling, like you're not really paying that much attention. Even when you're watching TV, right? Like you're on your phone, you're talking to your partner, but like podcasts, like people are tuned into the podcast. So for sure, I think that's going to be huge in 2024. One last thing that I was thinking too, is I would just say, this is an urge for myself as well. In 2024, I think you're going to see a lot of people kind of pulling away from those low hanging fruit topics. Let's stop writing about it's Memorial Day coming up, it's 4th of July, it's Halloween, whatever it is, and really trying to find more connections to not only topical stuff, but specifically pop culture, because it's one of the only escapes that we have right now. Everything kind of ties back. We just did our podcast episode about Taylor Swift. Maybe it's just top of mind, but yeah, Juliana, what do you 
you have to say? Say it. I'm the self-dubbed pop culture queen. And yes, this is a trend that I have started to see in 2023. And I really feel like it's going to take off in 2024. I say this all the time with my travel advisor client, we would lean away from the travel related topics. Honestly, we would not pitch any travel magazines. We would solely pitch the popular outlets at the time. And our pitches were almost exclusively related to pop culture. And we see a lot of success with this because for example, when it comes to travel, anybody can talk about travel trends, but not a whole lot of people think about how can I connect this to this current TV show that's airing right now. And those TV shows are being written about and journalists are looking for unique ways to write about said topic. And so I really feel like this is going to continue in 2024. I'm going to continue using this. In fact, as of right now, I'm actually working on a pop culture topic related to the new Mean Girls movie musical. So stay tuned. But yes, that is something that I'm working on right now. Okay, last question. It wasn't on my list, but I feel like we should talk about it. How are you guys keeping up with current trends in the industry? I know, Juliana, you're the queen of pitching really timely topics. I know everyone else obviously does quite a bit of research, but like, where are you guys sourcing inspiration from? How are you keeping up with trends for your clients? I am very ashamed of the amount of time I spend on TikTok. If you saw my analytics, you would be like, what is wrong with you? Is that all you do? But yes, I really feel like TikTok is where a lot of things are talked about. Personally, I get a lot of my ideas from TikTok for sure. Mine's a little bit different. I'm a TikTok girl, but I'm a TikTok girl in the sense of like, I'm learning how to parent my kids on there. But I think that lately, and Jen kind of taught me this too, is trending topics are great when it comes to like the pop culture. But I do have a lot of clients that they fit that space if I really want to work them into that space. But there are also topics that come annually that just are a repeat topic. And so I've really taken advantage of actually looking at the publications that my clients want to be on and what were those stories like in December of 2022? Most likely reporters aren't going to change the game year after year. It's going to be a pretty consistent trend. And so I try to see what they were writing about at that specific time. And I try to base something off of what's currently happening in 2023 that can relate to a story that they've already kind of touched on. I agree with Sammy because this is something that I do as well. I think of my client and what their goals are, what their goal publications are. And then I'll just spend a lot of time going through those specific publications, looking at how the journalists are talking about topics, what kind of trending topics they talk about, because sometimes it's fun to pitch clients just like to the masses, but I feel like a client receives a win better when it's from their dream outlet. So I would rather take the time researching what that outlet finds as a priority and then being able to angle them into that. So we had a dietitian who is very big on cancer management and something about cancer management is trying to reduce your alcohol use. So we knew that we wanted to do some dry January outreach, some dry January brand deals and stuff. So I'm looking at the publications that she wants to be in and how they're talking about alcohol throughout the year. And I'm looking at how are they talking about it in a good light? Are they talking about it in a bad light? Or with her, she also is loves to myth bust things. So I was on Google typing in like greens powder and I would find journalists talking about bloom and I would be like, hey, I'm about to rock your world. If you can think of something that's fun and then kind of shock your uh, journalist a little bit. I really like that. I think that there's an art to the follow-up story. Yeah. Kind of what Em was saying, like she would find articles and be like, actually, like I'm going to tell them something that maybe is not true or might be a 
little bit shocking to them based on the original story. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I think that there's, again, there's a follow-up story. You just have to figure out like, what is the follow-up story and pitch accordingly. So Em, thanks for that one. Of course. I know that people love to prove people wrong. Absolutely. Caroline, anything you want to add here? Yeah, sure. I would say a really good tip is to become very familiar with Google Alerts. I have Google Alerts set up for all of my clients, but I also have them set up for topics that are just super popular right now that there are a lot of articles coming out on. The Taylor Swift thing is a perfect example, just because there is so much media coming out so quickly about her all the time and people are reading it that if there's any way that I can connect any of my clients to a certain story, I want to know it first thing as soon as it's published. So if there are any big things happening in pop culture or anything that you think, hey, I would really like to comment on that, make a Google alert for it and make sure that you know anytime anybody's publishing an article about it so you can stay on top of it. That's a good one. Imagine doing that with their competitor too. Getting alerts on what their competitor in the markets are doing. That would be such a fun thing to try in 2024 is to just kind of sneak in and be like, you can set an alert for anything you want, baby. I love it. Okay, guys. We have just a couple minutes left. Any last words, any like comments? If you are a business owner or someone out there and you're listening to this and you're considering starting a PR plan, start four months earlier than you think you're going to need to start. That is my main advice. Do not start a month before your opening. Do not start two months before your opening or your launch, whatever it is. Start at least four months ahead because you will be so thankful that you have the groundwork for which your PR strategy will lay upon from that point on. I have like an unpopular opinion on this one. Have a pre-established website presence, social media presence, and everything like that before jumping straight to PR. If you are starting a business, we absolutely want to get you publications. We want to get you featured. We want to get your name out there. We want to build your credibility, increase sales, everything. Don't get me wrong, but we need to have a solid foundation to bring people to first. So prioritize that and we will be here to catch you when you have that done. I love that. We have briefly touched on this before, but if you are thinking about hiring a PR agency, don't be afraid to let them get a little creative with your pitches and think a little bit outside the box of what you have in mind for your PR strategies. Obviously, please share what you have in mind and we will do that as well, but let them have a little creative control and pitch certain topics that you might not have thought of because we have gotten so much coverage doing that. And like I've said before, we've seen a lot of success from that. Yeah. That being said, I feel like trusting your PR agency is so big. We are an extension of your brand. We are not just neat and then your business. We are an extension of your brand. We have your brand's best interests in mind, but you have to let us take a little bit of the reins, take that off of your shoulders and do what we do best. Because if we are kind of grinding against each other, it's not going to be a fun experience for anyone. So just know when you are bringing in an agency and you're bringing in me, we are working on behalf of you. And of course we want your feedback. Of course, everything goes through you because we are an extension of your brand, but just understanding how important it is to give those reins to someone you trust. We will take you places. Like I promise. (laughs) 
Yeah. I say this all the time to prospects who are thinking about working with us and they express any kind of concerns. I always say your successes are success. I know it is very cheesy, but it's true. We are still a boutique agency. Our clients have to be successful. When they're successful, they turn around and they tell all of their business friends how much they love us. And then we get more clients from that. So in order to keep growing and building, we have to make sure all of our clients see success. And that's why I tell people that. And I'm sure like internally, they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. But it's true. All right, y'all. I have a hard stop. I have to jump to a one o'clock meeting, but you guys were awesome. Thank you so much. Y'all shared so many gold nuggets and I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Anytime you just let us know. Call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, Kim Possible. (laughs) Ken Hartman. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Neat. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, follow us on Instagram at Nate underscore the agency for even more marketing tips and tricks. Be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Nate. Until then, cheers.